0: I actually practiced uh, moving the stand up and down before some of you came here this morning. <laughs> and it's good that I did because I actually unscrewed the wrong one when I practiced and the whole head fell off, including the microphones. <laughs> so yeah, you didn't get to catch that on camera. Sorry. So good morning, everyone. Good morning, Mr. Josh. Yeah, no, this isn't school, but thank you. Good morning. Um, e- yes, this morning we are talking about anxiety and we're talking about the peace of God. And so my passage of scripture is going to be on the, the wall behind me, if you need to reference it. As you know, I use lots and lots of scriptures when I preach, probably too much. I'm sorry, it's my advice. I've listed quite a few down here, so that if you get lost, you can uh, look back at them at a later time. All right, so Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Now, I don't need to go into the science of all that. Everyone knows that there's an inseparable link between anxiety and depression. Uh, that's why they're called anti anxiety meds or antidepressants and all that. They're all linked together. So yeah, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word can make it glad. So I'm hoping this morning I can bring you a good word, which can free you from the grips of anxiety. Now, the world likes to give you a certain message. They like to say that you're strong, you're beautiful, and you need to believe in yourself. But I want to give you a word from God's word, Um, not something psychological and not something complex. Simple faith in the God of peace will protect you from being overcome by anxiety. So in this passage on the screen, verse 6 begins with the line, Be anxious for nothing. Now this is not a new commandment that the Apostle Paul made up. He's actually just parroting the words of Jesus um, or paraphrasing the words of Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was addressing the disciples and he said to them, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink or your body, what you will put on. Jesus then explains that the reason why his followers don't need to worry is because God will look after them if they seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So when we prioritize our king, God promises that he's going to look after us. Isn't that good news? In Matthew chapter 6 verse 34, Jesus said, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We have lots and lots of things that could worry us coming up. Um, and if we make a giant list of them and we stare at that list every day, we're going to get super overwhelmed. I, um, I just recently purchased a house and I have a list that just goes on for, it seems like kilometers of things that I need to do. And when I look at that whole list, it gives me an anxiety attack, like it really does. But just like when you, uh, when you look at um, an assignment, say it's a 2,000 word assignment, you've got to write... Just start with one thing at a time. The first part of this assignment is the introduction. Maybe you're going to write a 200-word introduction. Well, just focus on the introduction. Focus on the thing that's right before you. And once you've ticked that off, then you can move on to the next thing and the next thing. And before you realize it, um, it's not such a big thing anymore because you've broken it into sections. Now, Paul, when he wrote to the Philippians, he starts by saying, don't worry. Don't be anxious about things. But I think for some of us, that sort of command doesn't come across very helpful. Um, you know, you might respond to Paul by saying, Well, of course, I don't want to be anxious. Of course, I'd like to stop being anxious. But the question is, how can we stop these negative thoughts from penetrating our minds? So, before I go any further, I want to examine a little bit of the life of Paul, who wrote the letter to the Philippians. Um, I, want to, I want to see the anxieties that Paul potentially dealt with. Uh, so, this is a man who, before becoming a Christian, sanctioned the killing of other Christians. Like Paul was famously known as the man who um, approved the stoning of Stephen, the apostle, uh, or Stephen, I should say. The, um, he wasn't an apostle, he was a disciple. So yeah, Paul would have had on his mind things that he'd done in his past that he wasn't proud of, things that um, gave him great regret and great anxiety. I can imagine laying in bed that he would have still had the face of Stephen potentially popping up his mind in his mind from time to time, realizing that he was a murderer. And yet God saved the Apostle Paul, and he not only saved him and forgave him of his past, but he also set him free from the things that were causing him mental anxiety. So Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, the same book, verse 13, This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul realized he couldn't change things in his past. He couldn't go back and bring Stephen back from the dead. But what he could do is he could press on towards the goal. He could keep his eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and he could trust in him for his future. So some of us this morning, we need to realize that we can't fix our past, but God can give us a new start, a fresh start so that we can move forward in life. Now, Paul also experienced a lot of what would be called trauma or traumatic experiences So in his second letter to Corinthians, Paul wrote, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that's with rocks, by the way, in case you were wondering. (laughs) Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at the sea. Paul was shipwrecked and he was floating around the ocean wondering if he would drown that night. Like this is a man who experienced real trauma in his life. He says, "'I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, "'in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, "'in danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, "'danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, "'danger at sea, danger from false brothers, "'in toil and hardship through many a sleepless nights, "'in hunger and thirst. "'Often I was without food. "'I was cold and exposed. And apart from all the other things, there is the daily pressure on me of all the anxiety for all the churches. This is a man that was burdened beyond measure. And if anyone had a cause for being depressed or anxious, it was the Apostle Paul. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you realize, but the letter to the Philippians, Paul wrote this while he was in prison. He was under house arrest, or most people believe he was under house arrest in Rome at the time. Chapter one of Philippians, Paul talks about he was writing this letter. He was writing it while in chains. So he had a, a Roman guard with him and he was basically locked up in his house. Uh, now, with this trial that was, was coming up and the reason for his imprisonment, you know, he had the, the possibility of facing the death penalty. Uh, if found guilty of disturbing the peace in Rome, Paul would have been executed. Perhaps they would have beheaded him or maybe they would have decided to crucify him, or maybe they would have just flogged him again, like they had done previously, or hit him with rods, uh, which would badly bruise and, and break bones. So how would it make you feel if you were in Paul's shoes? How would you feel if you were riding from prison, waiting to hear if you were about to be executed, or if they were going to drag you out into the streets and humiliate you, and beat you with rods? So again, Paul, this is that same Paul who said at the start of this, be anxious for nothing now some of us might have uh you know experienced some anxiety about covid and the, the lockdowns i did speak to a couple in victoria um who's spent time in lockdown during that period and they said a number of their friends actually got separated which um i wasn't aware of for whatever reason just passed my mind but obviously there was an increase in domestic violence Um, People were plagued with depression, substance abuse, all sorts of things, and it broke up marriages. And so if Paul just stopped here and said, be anxious for nothing, I don't think it would be very helpful. But in all things, when we read the scriptures, we need to read the whole of the scriptures. We can't just read one verse, take it out of its context and expect to see results. So let's look at the whole passage in its context. Paul's not saying just stop worrying. Paul is saying, instead of worrying, spend time praying and God's peace will protect you. So do you ever lie in bed at night and just wish all the stressful thoughts would just go away and you could get back to sleep? Well, the evangelist D.L. Moody said, when you can't sleep, instead of counting sheep, talk to the shepherd. And that's what I think we need to do. When we're lying in bed and we struggle to sleep, we need to talk to the shepherd. So the scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Have you ever looked at the difference between uh, prayer and supplication? Now, prayer is just general conversation with God. So uh, it's a time for you to share what's on your heart, it's a time for you to have open communication with God. And who knows? Uh, that communication is the key to any healthy relationship. We've got to be open and honest with one another if we want to have a real meaningful relationship with each other. And we need to do the same thing with God. We need to share our heart with Him. You know, um, I've been guilty of this before where I rock up to church and I just say, hey, how are you going? And they say the same thing to me and I just say, good, and they say, good. Well, you're not going to build a very healthy relationship if you're not being honest about what's really going on in your life. And the same is true with our relationship with God. We need to be honest with Him where we're at. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Now, supplication is different from prayer a little bit. It's uh, more direct requests that we make before God. So this is what Christians normally pray like. They normally supplicate rather than just have general conversation with God. So supplication goes something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, um, please bless my day. Um, please heal my sick child. Uh, help me to be a good person. So those are examples of uh, supplications that we can make to God. You know, Help me with this, help me with that. Now, God actually invites us to do both. He invites us to have a conversation with him and to share what's going on in our heart, but he also invites us to make direct requests of him. And he says to do that in everything. We're to make our requests known to God. Now, don't misunderstand Paul at this point. He's not saying that God doesn't know what you need. He's not saying that God is impotent or um, You know, he's a distant God. God knows exactly what you need. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, your father in heaven knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. But God is inviting us into relationship with himself because as we sing and as we read in the word of God, God is the source of life. He's the source of love. He's the source of peace and joy. And when we commune with God, that's when we're connected to God. And that's when his life flows into us through the Holy Spirit. In James chapter four, James tells the believers, you do not have because you do not ask. And so there's some of us this morning that just don't have what we're looking for because we simply haven't turned to God for help. We simply haven't asked him. We haven't made supplication before God. So in everything, we need to pray and make supplications. Psalm 34 verse four says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Psalm 55, verse 22 says, "'Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. "'He will never permit the righteous to be moved.'" And 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7 says, "'Cast all your anxieties upon Him, "'because He cares for you.'" What an invitation. This is the God we serve, a God who cares for you, a God who invites you to cast your anxieties upon Him. Now, the Bible was penned by over 40 authors over a period of about 1,500 years but they all talk about the same God. They all talk about his faithfulness of character. They all talk about a God who invites you to come and make petitions of him. Isn't that wonderful? Now, some of you might say at this point that you're too busy to pray. You've got too much going on to make prayers and supplications to God. Well, you made time to come to church this morning. If you're listening to this online, you made time to listen to me. By the way, shout out to everyone who's listening to me online. Thank you for tuning in. And and, uh, I want to just mention Brendan from New Zealand, if you're watching this. Um, I know you're a Mormon still. Um, I think you're a Mormon still, and I just pray that you'd come to know Jesus as your savior. So some of us are too busy to pray. R.A. Torrey once said, we are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. We need to make time for God, just like we make time for any relationship. If you neglect time with your spouse, it's gonna hurt your marriage. If you neglect time with God, don't expect to, to, to feel that closeness that, that you normally would otherwise expect. Now, have you ever followed a recipe for a meal that uh, looked amazing and had lots of promise and then turned out to be a flop? <laughs> uh, I don't have many stories because I'm a terrible cook. I'm so bad my wife just got a new um, fry pan and I burnt it so badly I asked her to stay in another room while I dealt with it. <laughs> And it was bad, it was really bad. I felt really bad. (laughs) Now I've had a really stressful week this week and I um, probably have had the most stressful week of my entire life. I'm not gonna go into any detail um, other than to say I didn't want to preach this message when it was about Wednesday this week because I felt like a hypocrite. I was preaching what no really, I, I was preaching, I was supposed to be preaching on the peace of God in place of our anxieties, and yet I wasn't feeling much peace in my heart at all. But just like a recipe, you know, if you don't follow the steps, you're not gonna get the desired outcome. You know, if you're baking a cake and you forget to put raising agent in with the flour, you're gonna end up with a brick. You're not gonna end up with a fluffy cake. And so in like manner, we need to follow the recipe that God's given us in order to have the correct outcome. And so I was making my prayers and supplications before God and begging God to do something, begging him to help me for this Sunday message. And I was more anxious than ever. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't supposed to be a funny point. (laughs) I'm being honest with you people. Hopefully, when I'm honest in the future, you don't laugh at my anxiety. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I just for Lily house whilst I was pregnant and I thought I was going to vomit. Oh, dear. Well, thankfully, I'm not going to uh, vomit this morning. I'm not a good at public speaking. That's okay. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is what I missed. The Apostle Paul said, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. And so I went back over the passage and I saw that and I was like, oh, I haven't been thanking God at all. I've just been focused on my problems. And so I went to God and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're the God of peace. Thank you that you're the God of strength. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for me, that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could think um, according to your power that's at work within me. And so I began to praise God and worship God. And as Paul said, I began to rejoice in the Lord rather than looking at my child's. And the peace of God came just as he promised. Now, what should, sorry, I'm not used to a crowd that responds. (laughs) Um, I expected you just to respond in your hearts. Now, what should we be thanking God about? The the normal Christian thankfulness goes something like this. God, thank you for my job. Thank you for my family. Thank you that I'm not sick. Uh, And yeah, thank you that I have a house. And thank you I live in Australia. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, it's good to be thankful for those things. But again, we're following the life of Paul here. We want to imitate his devotional life because Paul found the secret of peace in God. And he says in verse nine of the same chapter, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. So the things we see in the life of Paul, if we imitate them as he imitated Christ, we're going to experience the peace of God just as Paul experienced the peace of God. So let's look at some of the things that the apostle Paul gave thanks to God for. Firstly, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 on the screen, it says that he rejoiced in the Lord and he encouraged the people to rejoice in the Lord. So that was the foundation of Paul's thanksgiving, rejoicing in the Lord. So Paul doesn't say rejoice only when things are going well. The thing is, uh, things aren't always going well. And in Paul's life, he was in prison. He was probably recovering from some wounds after being beaten by prison guard. And so on the outside, circumstances were very shaky, but he had an immovable hope in a rock that doesn't change, that rock being Jesus Christ. We have a living God who doesn't change, a faithful God who doesn't change, who invites us to come to him, and that invitation hasn't changed for 2,000 years. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So he gives a similar thanks for the believers in the Ephesian church. In Ephesians chapter 1 he says, After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, mentioning you in my prayers. So Paul was thankful that people were becoming believers. Paul was thankful for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he was thankful that the gospel was going forward. So it was a thankfulness towards God. He wasn't gloomy about his imprisonment or getting anxious about the possibility of being executed. He was rejoicing in his God. Philippians chapter one, verse 12, uh, talks about his imprisonment. He says, I want you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Christ has preached. I'm moving forward. Christ has preached, and in this I rejoice, yes and will rejoice. So what was the cause for rejoicing in Paul's life? The people were hearing the message of Jesus Christ. His eyes were on the kingdom of God. And when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, God promises that He'd meet our needs. Paul was also thankful for his own salvation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he talks about the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter one, he says, I give thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And then he goes on to say, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul was rejoicing the fact that his sins were forgiven. He was rejoicing the fact that when he faces God on judgment day, God's not going to bring up Stephen who he had stoned to death. He's not going to bring up all of the crimes that Paul had done. He's not going to bring up his lust, his pride, his selfishness. God's going to say to Paul, well done, good and faithful servant. Because Jesus, when he died on a cross, died for Paul. And he died for you and I, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says it well. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. What a praise point to rejoice in the Lord because he has clothed us in the robes of righteousness. So no matter what you're facing this morning, you have things you can be thankful about. You have general things you can be thankful about, but very specific things. So you have a God in heaven who loves you and sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. Paul said in Romans chapter eight, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. Now, I put a little image of, um, up on the screen. I'm sure you recognize it. It's, it's the time where the apostle uh, Peter was going to walk on the water and meet Jesus, who was also walking on water. This was obviously a supernatural feat for those who haven't heard the story. So there was a great storm that had arisen. The disciples were in the boat in the middle of the ocean, or I shouldn't say ocean, I think it was the Sea of Galilee. And uh, the wind and the waves were very boisterous. But they noticed what they thought was a ghost and they were afraid. And Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's I. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out onto the water to you. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and began walking on the water towards Jesus. But it says that um, while Peter was still walking on the water, he, he took his eyes off the Lord Jesus. And he began to notice that the winds and the waves were very violent. And the moment he started looking at his circumstances, the moment he started looking at these winds and waves in his life, he began to sink. And immediately he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and grabbed him and picked him up. And what did he say to him? He said to Peter, after he stretched out his hand and caught him, he said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, Peter began to look at his immediate circumstances and take his eyes off Christ. And in that moment, he began uh, to fail. And so we too we often respond like peter we spend all of our time dwelling on our anxieties until it becomes unbearable and we're overcome with grief and depression jesus is called the prince of peace and he can give us strength to stand in the midst of any of the storms that we're facing now if we skip ahead to verse 8 in philippians chapter 4 i read it at the start Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. See, Paul's thankfulness and rejoicing in God was a result of him filling his mind with the truth of God. If you spend all day thinking about how you lost your job or dwelling on the fact that you're fighting with your spouse, you're not going to have the peace of God that Paul's talking about. We need to think about things that are praiseworthy, things that will be fuel for us to rejoice in our God. And the best place to find these things is in the Word of God. So if you're struggling with anxiety, maybe it's because you're feasting your mind on negative things. Maybe you've paid too much attention to the news of late, or you're watching certain shows on Netflix that are, you know, not good for your minds. Or maybe you're listening to certain negative music that's bringing you down. You know, um, I've been prone to do this before where I'm looking at the news and um, you know, I'm reading accident reports about how families have been torn apart by some car accident. You know, I'm reading about the, the, the tallies of COVID deaths in America and all these sorts of things. And I find by the end of reading it all, you know, the world seems like a really scary and dark place. And it's not wrong to, to know about these things. It's good to know about the things that are going on in the news, but we need to realize its effect on our lives as well. And we need to make sure we prioritize our time with the Lord Jesus. Smith Wigglesworth said, if I read the newspaper, I come out dirtier than I went in. If I read my Bible, I come out cleaner than I went in. And I like being clean. And that should be our thought too, that we, we like being clean. We like having the word of God in our minds. So Paul is encouraging us to meditate on these good things. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And some of us are anemic in this area. You know, what usually happens to a person when they stop eating? Let's say they they skip lunch or something. They usually become tired and irritable, right? Well, my wife says she becomes hangry. Which is a combination of being hungry and angry. So I've always got to make sure I feed her. But... As I just said, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So maybe you're spiritually hangry this morning. Maybe the reason why you're facing these anxieties and getting down is because you've neglected time in the Word of God. That's where we're going to find the real spiritual meat we need to be free from these things. Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse two to five says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So how are we supposed to cast down these negative thoughts that exalt themselves in our lives? According to God's word, it's by his word, which is called the sword of the spirit. So to some of you, the devil or your own thoughts might be saying to you, you're hopeless. You should give up. You should end your life. How do we respond to attacks like that? Well, I would respond with scripture. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would say to him, no, no, no. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God has promised to fill my heart with joy and peace. I have a God of hope. I don't need to be despairing. The enemy might say to you, nobody loves you. You'd be better off dead. Again, we pick up the sword of the spirit and we respond. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The enemy might respond though, but you're dirty. You're damaged goods. How can you call yourself a Christian? Look at the things you've done in your life. You know, um, there's a legend about Martin Luther that the devil appeared to him one night and started writing out all of his sins so that he could see them. And Martin Luther said, do you have any more accusations against me? And the devil said, "Why? yes, I do. You started writing out more, you know, you've lusted after women. You've been, you know, you hurt so-and-so. You didn't forgive so-and-so when you did this. And Martin Luther said, are there any more things that I've done in my life that that are evil? And he said, yes. And he kept writing out more and more and more. And then Martin Luther said, now I want you to write over the top of it, paid in full. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses from all sin. Martin Luther realized he was a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things had passed away and all things had become new. And we too, if we have faith in Jesus, God gives us a fresh start. God sees us as righteous and holy in Jesus Christ. Romans twelve two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, one of the things that is the will of God is, as the scripture says, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So the result of praying with thanksgiving and trust in the word of God is that we will receive the peace of God. And it's God's peace Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no rest for Christians or non-Christians if they refuse to come to him. Now, this is a peace which surpasses all understanding. And in the original Greek language, to, um, the word surpasses basically means to be above or to be superior in rank and power. So the peace that God gives is superior in rank and power to the anxieties of the world. It's something that goes far beyond our natural understanding. Outside there's tribulation, but inside there can be peace. It's a supernatural peace. You know, people should look on it with wonder. People should say about Christians, how is it they have peace when they're going through such a horrible time? Our answer to an unbelieving world is that we have peace, not because we conjured it up within ourselves, but because the God of peace gave it to us. And he also says that he will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, which is military language. God promises to be the one to protect us, and it's God's strength protecting us, not our own. One commentator wrote, There is a peace from God that comes to every person who rests on him in prayer. Isn't that wonderful? So everyone needs to make a decision this morning. God's promising a peace that will protect our hearts if we rejoice in him, if we pray to him with thankfulness and meditate on all the wonderful things he's done. When the Bible says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, and peace, we've got to come to the conclusion, is that true? Are we talking about a religion that works? Are we talking about a God that works? Do we serve the living God or not? Because if all it is is a historical God on a piece of paper, that's not gonna do us much good. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, self-control. You might feel like you've got no control over the thoughts coming in your head. Well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he promises self-control, he promises peace, he promises a sound mind. And the Lord can do that in our lives. I mean, he's forgiven us of sins. Why can't he deliver us from anxieties? He makes the same promises towards the forgiveness of sins that he makes towards our anxieties. We need to trust in him. We need to put our confidence in him. We need to be like Abraham, the patriarch, who was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. See, the Bible's not about tricking your mind into believing something that's not true. You know, I read yesterday, there was a self-help article online, and it says that I needed to put dot points next to my mirror. You are beautiful, or sorry, it was in the first person. I am beautiful, I am strong, you know, you've got this, all those sorts of things. And yeah, that might help you in the temporary, but it's, it's not really going to do the trick. We need a supernatural God to give us something the world cannot give us. The world cannot give you peace. Sin cannot give you peace. Yes, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but it can't give you peace. There's only peace when you abide in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So yeah, the Bible calls this God, the God of hope, the God of peace. Paul experienced this peace. He had every reason in the world to be anxious, every reason in the world to be discouraged, being in his own form of lockdown, in a sense, in that he was arrested and in prison. And yet Paul had a peace which was from God. And so this morning, I would like to end with just praying. Praying in obedience to this scripture, rejoicing in our Lord. Uh, I'm going to pray and... um, After that, it's your choice if you want to stick around and break into small groups. Some of you may want to just socialize, but some of you may really want to talk about these things with one another and share with one another and pray for one another. And so I'd encourage you to do that. And if any of you have any questions or um, things that are troubling you or you just want someone to pray with you, um, I'm going to be available afterwards as well to talk to. Um, But yeah, let's just finish in prayer. So, Father in heaven, we thank you that through faith in Jesus, we are sons and daughters of the King. We thank you that you hear our prayers and you invite us to come. We thank you, Lord, for our righteousness, which is a gift from you. Lord, you said, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And you said that we're new creations in Christ Jesus. And we rejoice in you, Lord. We give you thanks for that good news. Lord, we give you thanks that you're the God of hope who promises to fill us with joy and peace as we believe in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Lord, for this joy and thank you for this peace, Lord, that you've promised us. And thank you that you're faithful to fulfill your promises. You're a God who cannot lie. You're a God who is faithful and true. Lord, we just ask that you would give us grace in this time. You promised that your strength would be made perfect in our weaknesses. And so we look to you, Lord, We want to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, deliver us from the storms of this life that we could trust in you and come to you, Lord, and believe in you. Thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for your power. You are well able to do this, Lord, and we put our trust in you now. Amen. Well, that's it for this morning, guys. As I said, you can... Go socialise or you can talk to me or if you like, we do sometimes break into small groups and so this morning if you'd like to break into small groups, feel free to swivel around your chairs and stick around for a chat. Thank you.